Uh, in the next few moments, there's some things going to be released in the Holy Ghost if we're willing to catch it and receive it. Doesn't matter what God releases and what He tries to impart. If we if we don't want to receive it, it, that's up to us. But I believe that we're going to receive some things from the Holy Ghost today. God's going to impart some things through Him. We're going to give, when He is done, we're going to give to the work of God in uh, Pakistan and Malaysia. And I uh, just want to remind everybody if you give electronically in the back, write out one of these cards and just put it in the offering plate when you give so they know what to match up, what is given. And uh, we're going to give uh, to the work of God. Uh, while he is preaching today and ministering the word of the Lord, I want you to ask the Lord what you should give. And uh, let's obey the Holy Ghost this morning. We're going to be a blessing to the work of God around the world. Praise God. Would you, would you close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord right now all over the building and lift your voice to him right now? Can you do that? Hallelujah. Come on. I know we know how to lift up our voice. Hallelujah. Lord, we magnify you this morning. Lord, have your way in this house right now in the name of Jesus. I take authority and dominion over every resistance to the word of the Lord and to the moving of the Spirit of God in this place today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Brother and Sister Sean, we're so glad that you're here. We want you to do what you feel in the Holy Ghost. Take your liberty this, this morning. I really do mean that. Whatever you feel in the Holy Ghost, say what the Lord would have you to say this morning. One more time, let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for sending us a man of God with rhema words from God this morning. Thank you, Brother Herod. It's a privilege to be here this morning and feeling the presence of the Lord. Walk into this house and see the prayer going on. I believe that you've opened a pathway to heaven for his spirit to come and flood this place here today. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there in the midst. I've been in a lot of places where they use that scripture as an excuse for a poor crowd. But that's not what it's in the Bible for. The emphasis is not on just two or three, but it's the fact that we gather together, whether it's two or three or two or three hundred. We gather together in his name, and when we gather together in his name, then he is there in the midst, and when he is present, anything can happen. Praise God. And so I'm thankful today for the presence of the Lord. It's a real privilege to be here with your pastor, his wife, and your bishop, and his wife. We had some good fellowship the other day. And uh, we're very, very thankful to be here. Appreciate what this church has done towards missions. And I believe that God is raising up a church within the church to uh, impact the world today. Praise God. And I want to be a part of it. Praise God. I want to see uh, the Lord begin to do things. I think we're going to see in this generation things the world has never seen before. Because the Lord's getting ready and he saves the best for the last. Praise God. He's getting ready to come. Praise God. You may be seated. Uh, we're very thankful to be here, as I mentioned. Uh, just to give you a brief background of, of who we are. Uh, I was born and raised in India. My parents went there as missionaries in 1949. And I was born a couple of years later. Uh, I came home uh, after graduating from high school I went to Bible college in Canada. Sister Sham and I are Canadians, and at least we have Canadian passports. Uh, we uh, pastored in Toronto after attending Bible college for about uh, seven and a half years. Her father was a home missionary, 
started several churches, and so we just had missions in our blood. And uh, we felt to go overseas. We applied to go to India. The government would not give us a visa, so we settled next door in Pakistan, which used to be a part of uh, India. And uh, we thank the Lord for what happened there. When we arrived, there were missionaries already doing a very great work. There were about 12,000 believers. When we left 30 years later, there were 160,000 believers. And we thank God for what he did in that nation. <clears throat> we moved to Malaysia. And uh, although the work there was quite small, so we started traveling over the 10 years that we spent in Malaysia. Uh, we visited 33 different nations doing ministry. And uh, as we go back for our final term, this is our 10th and final one, uh, we are planning to base uh, uh, in, in Canada because of the pandemic. We had to move here. Uh, we couldn't travel outside of our, in fact, we couldn't leave our home for 10 months except to go to the doctor and to buy food at the nearest grocery store. So we got permission and we're traveling from Canada, but we're spending 10 months a year overseas and uh, visiting different nations. Pakistan and Malaysia, we visit twice a year, and then many others where we receive invitations. So uh, this is going to be our, our last uh, hurrah, as it were. But uh, I believe that the Lord's going to do some great things in the next four years. And uh, we're excited about the potential and what he is preparing to pour out upon the world. We're going to ask Sister Shom to come at this time, if she would, and to share a few things with you. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Great to be in church this morning. Great to walk in and feel that liberty. Just walk in the back door and immediately feel the Spirit of the Lord moving. And that's what I love. <clears throat> Amen. I, I love being in the presence of the Lord. And I love being a missionary. I am so thankful that when the Lord was looking for somebody to go to Pakistan... He saw us. He wanted to do something there, apparently. Pakistan's not really the destination of choice for most people. Um, <clears throat> it's not really, you don't go there on the way somewhere else. And uh, God wanted to do something. And he needed somebody to work through. And he let it be us. Uh, among We weren't the only ones. There were other people there as well. And I'm just so thankful for that opportunity. God has been so good to our family. And we've been able to see amazing things. Just amazing things. One time recently, we were sitting with a group of young people. And uh, somebody said, they, I, you know, I was telling stories about different things that had happened. And somebody said, Sister Shaw, like, what's the reason why you, you and Brother Shaw got to see all these things? And I thought for a couple of seconds, and I said, it's, it's actually pretty simple. When the Lord asked us, we said yes. <laughs> Bottom line. When the Lord asked us, we said yes. Very simple word. But because of that yes, we have been able to participate with him in some just wonderful, wonderful moves of the Spirit miraculous things, some very ordinary days when we did the laundry and helped our kids with the homework, with their homework, you know. Missionaries don't walk four feet above the ground and 
we're not laying hands on people all day long wherever we go, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. We live ordinary lives, but we also live lives that are just filled with moments when God moves in and does such amazing things. And I am so thankful that that's been my life. Amen. <clears throat> we do have a project that I'm, I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, our project right now is airfare. Brother Sham and I, our, our uh, focus, our ministry is shifting a little bit. We've gone through some transition and we're not located in just one country anymore, but our ministry is going to be actually worldwide uh, teaching seminars. We saw God do some uh, amazing breakthroughs in Pakistan, and because of that, we've been invited to teach uh, revival principles, breaking strongholds, spiritual warfare, a lot of those kinds of things in other countries. And it's not cheap to travel. Most of those places we can't go in our car, and uh, so in order to save about a year's worth of traveling, raising PIMs, we have asked for our project to be airfare. And um, this year alone, there are seven regions that the United Pentecostal Church has globally, and we're going to be in five of them just in 2023. And we're not even starting until the end of May, so that's pretty exciting. And um, so at the end of the service, if the Lord moves on you to help us with that, we would really, really appreciate it. It takes a lot of pressure off of our missionary budget, and it means that when somebody contacts us and says, would you be able to come? We can say, yes, we can come. We've got money in our account, and we'll, we'll be there. And so we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Thank you for letting us be here today. My spirit, just being in the worship, my spirit has just been so refreshed feels like uh, when you take your car through one of those car washes and <laughs> it's all bubbles and all kinds of stuff going on. And when you come out the other end, it's like, phew, everything's all shiny and clean. I kind of feel like I've been through a car wash this morning and my spirit has just been lifted up. And I'm believing that God's going to do wonderful things here among us today. I don't know what you came to church with on your shoulders. I came with some things on my shoulders, some concerns, some worries, some things that I need the Lord to take care of. And I would pretty much guarantee every one of you is the same. Maybe a family situation, financial situation, I don't know, all kinds of things. But I know that Jesus is here. And I know that I can guarantee that he can help you. He can help you. He said, cast your cares upon me. Let me do the caring in your place. I will care for you. And he's here to do that. Amen. So reach out your heart. Open your heart. Open your spirit for whatever God wants to do in your life today. He's here to do something for you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. We are very thankful for churches like yours that support missions uh, from the heart. I know that you're a mission-giving church, and uh, uh, Brother Nathan Herod, of course, is the new regional director for Europe, and so obviously you have an interest in that. And uh, a lot of times people judge the work they're doing for God by the congregation that they see in front of them. But when you support missions, you're actually 
starting congregations on the other side of the world. Praise God. I did a, I did a little bit of calculating. We, we saw, uh, well, we ha actually had 11 crusades in Pakistan where at least 1,000 people received the Holy Ghost. Uh, three of them where we saw the day of Pentecost or more. And uh, I did some calculating for every $10 that somebody supported us as a partner in mission, somebody came to the Lord in Pakistan. So uh, I did the calculating. A $50 partner in mission over four years was directly responsible for 240 people coming in. That's not a general thing. That's that one PIM helped to bring in 240 people in Pakistan. That's a pretty good-sized congregation. I think that's a good investment. Praise God. And so we're investing in the kingdom of God. Uh, we're traveling. We do need partners, probably, I think, five or six more now. I've can't, I haven't got the exact amount because they all haven't been recorded at headquarters, but uh, I believe it's around five uh, or six more. We're getting close to being able to uh, hit the road again. Well, hit the skies again. As we're, we're, we're already on the road, but uh, we're going to be flying overseas again, and uh, we just feel excited about that. I'd like to share with you uh, for just a few moments before I preach the importance of praying for your missionaries. Uh, I know that people talk about it, but it's easy to forget once they've driven off down the road to the next place. And uh, so uh, I do believe it's very, very important. I could, I could give you several uh, occasions in our own life where prayer was very, very instrumental in giving us protection. But I'm just going to give you one story as, a, as an example. Um, several years ago, a number of years ago now, we had a guest speaker come to Pakistan to preach at a conference in the city of Lahore. Um, I was living in Islamabad, the capital city. That's up in the north. Lahore is in the central part of the country. And uh, he was going to be flying into the largest city, Karachi, which is in the south. So I flew down to Karachi the day before because most flights in Pakistan, international flights, come in the middle of the night. And uh, so I got a hotel room. I drove out very early in the morning to pick him up, came back to the hotel. We rested for uh, a few hours and then got in the uh, taxi to go back to the airport to fly to the city of Lahore where the conference was going to be. Uh, I was surprised as we started driving in the taxi because there were army tanks and personnel carriers everywhere at the, all, all the major intersections. They had... Uh, the big sandbag places where the, where the soldiers were with machine guns. And I thought, wow, what happened? Just in the time that I picked up our guest and uh, took him to the, the hotel. So I told him, it looks like something's happened here. We did get to the airport. We're able to fly to the city of Lahore. When I got there, I called Sister Sham to let her know we had arrived safely. She asked me, she said, did you hear what happened in Karachi this morning? I said, no, I saw a lot, saw a lot of uh, military presence, but I don't know what happened. She said, well, on the airport road this morning, and she named the intersection, there was a van carrying a couple of diplomats from the American consulate, and terrorists attacked their van and killed them. It was at 8 o'clock, she said. Well, we had driven by there at 5 minutes to 8. That means that the terrorists were already present, and uh, they could have mistaken us. But uh, we, I was quite shocked at the time, 
few days later, after the conference in Lahore had finished, I'd gone back to Islamabad where we were living. I received a telephone call from a pastor in America, Brother David Hudson, who was pastoring in uh, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. He said, Brother Allen, has there been an issue in, with you or your family? You, are you having some kind of a problem? I said, not that I'm aware of. Why? Well, he said a few days ago, and he mentioned the time frame, he said, we were having a, a district ladies conference in our church because I was the host pastor. I was in the meeting. And he said, in the middle of the meeting, the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to interrupt this meeting and have the ladies pray for the Sean family. So he said, I got up and I interrupted the service and I said, I don't know what this all means, but all I know is the Lord wants us to pray right now for Alan and Georgine Shom and their family. And for the next two hours, 400 ladies prayed and interceded for us. Well, evening time in the States is morning time in Pakistan. And when we compared the hours, the two hours that I drove to the airport, picked up my guest, and drove back to the hotel with the two hours that they were covering us in prayer. Praise God. Praise God. So we do appreciate people praying. Uh, we saw a lot of terrorism. We were actually evacuated four different times uh, from that country because of the terrorism that was going on. We often had uh, bomb terrorists, uh, uh, suicide bombers in our neighborhood blowing up a ch police checkpoint or whatever, and uh, we felt the effects of that. So we do uh, depend upon people praying for us. We do appreciate it very, very much. I would like you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to preach a message. I think that I did preach it last year at Passing the Mantle. I'm not sure. Uh, and I tried to get another message, and I thought, okay, Lord, these, your pastor and his wife and, and bishop have heard this already. Let me have another message. And it just kept coming back to me. It kept coming back. So that's what I'm going to preach. Uh, I feel this very strongly this morning. I think it's something that... Uh, it's very, very important. When, I, when I'm preaching on deputation, what I'm trying to do is impact the church to get involved in apostolic ministry and seeing the power of God in action in, uh, in America. And I believe that's going to have rippling effects across the world. So we're going to read in Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> and uh, I spent a long time yesterday trying to get another message. And, and the Lord said, no, so I'm going to do this. I've learned enough uh, through the years that uh, you have to follow his direction. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, also reading in verse 6. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Verse 6. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel, and healing everywhere. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your word here today. We thank you for your presence that is in this place. Now we ask for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We recognize without you we can do nothing, but I'm asking that you would move by your spirit, that you would challenge and inspire our faith to move out into new levels of the Spirit and through the power of the Holy Ghost. And we ask these things now in the name which is above every name. In Jesus' name we pray. And let's give him some glory here this morning.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. You may be seated. As I mentioned, I was born and raised in India, spent most of my first 18 years there. And in India, we have what are called gurus. Now, today in, in America, you use that term as some kind of a, of a leader or teacher. Uh, in India, gurus were religious teachers. And Hinduism is a very broad spectrum of teaching, so they had their own little doctrines that they would teach. And they would uh, <coughs> gather together some disciples and travel from town to town, uh, unless they were uh, real hits as far as their teaching was concerned. Most of them just walked because they didn't have a lot of money. At the most, they would catch a public bus between uh, two towns. But uh, they would gather a small group of disciples together who would wait on them, get their uh, food for them, take care of their needs, uh, and, and whatever it was that they needed. And so they would walk from town to town, and uh, when they would reach a new town, he would set up under a tree or at some shrine and begin to teach people what he felt his philosophy was on life and the importance of it. And people would come, uh, because he was considered to be a holy man, they would come to receive blessings from him, and if they had special needs, ask him to pray for them and to, to give them a, the, the desire that they had, maybe if they needed a child or, or whatever it was. And so they would come to him for this. And so I can picture the, uh, the scene here when it talks about Jesus and his disciples. At the point that we have read this scripture, he'd probably been in his ministry about maybe 10 or 12 months. And although he had many disciples, because, and we know that he did, because in John chapter 6, it says that when he started to teach some things that some of them found a little bit tough, many of them turned back. But there were uh, 12 inner core disciples that went with him everywhere. They didn't have cars. They didn't have buses. They didn't have trains. They didn't have planes. They walked. And as they walked from place to place, Jesus would start to instill in his disciples the principles of his kingdom. He would tell them about... Uh, uh, why he had come. He said, I have come to displace Satan's kingdom. I've come to cast him out, and I have come in his place to bring the kingdom of God. I have come to bring what the kingdom of God teaches. Satan kingdom, Satan's kingdom brings heartache, but he said, my kingdom brings peace. Satan's kingdom brings sickness. My kingdom brings healing. Satan kingdom brings destruction. Mine brings deliverance. And so he would start to impart to them what they needed to know. He would talk to them about the things that were important in his kingdom, about his will, about heaven. He would uh, instruct them in many areas and aspects of what he was trying to uh, get across to people. And so they were slowly picking these things up. Not only did they listen to him in the towns and villages and on the hillside, wherever it was he would be teaching from, but uh, they were listening to him as they would walk from place to place. And uh, this kind of a journey was uh, very, very beneficial for them. When I was in Bible college, uh, 
quite a few years ago now. I was uh, in Canada uh, in my second year of Bible college. My father was the general superintendent in India at the time, and he was planning to nationalize or turn the work over to national leadership. And so I got permission to take a friend from the Bible school with me and to go to India for three months to observe the transfer process, how they did that. And so we went over there, and I think it did help me because in our ministry overseas, I nationalized the church in Pakistan. And then when we went to Malaysia last year in August, we helped to nationalize the church in Malaysia. So we were involved in nationalizing two different uh, churches where they have their own leadership now. They support themselves, basically, and we're seeing a great uh, move of the Holy Ghost. But <clears throat> while we were over in India, my friend and I, Brother Billy Cole, great evangelist, came uh, and visited for three weeks, and we got to travel with him. We traveled to different towns and villages, and uh, during the journey in the van, uh, he would be uh, pouring into us different aspects of apostolic ministry, what we needed to learn. It became something that uh, was drilled into me and impacted me for the rest of my life, and so it was very beneficial. Then we would listen to him preach, and even though this was before Ethiopia days, uh, we saw Every night, 35 or 40 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. After he left, over 300 people had been filled with the Holy Ghost during his visit. But as he was preparing to leave, he gathered my friend and I together, and he said, listen, boys, he said, you have traveled with me for three weeks. You've seen what I've done. You've heard what I've taught and preached and what I've told you. Now I want you to go and put it into practice. And I guess because I was 19 or 20, just a little bit naive, didn't know that you were supposed to be at least 40 to do something like that, I just started preaching. And my friend and I, in five services, we saw 156 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, that was the thing that set things off in my heart. I started seeking uh, the, the Lord to, to pour out of His Spirit. Uh, and in the time that we were in Pakistan, we saw over 55,000 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, so it was something that was drilled into me. And I believe that this is what Jesus was doing to his disciples. He was actually pouring into them. And that DNA was becoming a part of them. So that when he did ascend into heaven, they were ready to go uh, into, into the field. But here, they had been traveling with him maybe 10 or 12 months. He called them together. And the Bible says that he gave them power and authority over all devils. He gave them power and authority over all devils. Uh, now, a lot of times we just sort of say power and authority meaning the same thing. But actually, I think there is some difference. Power means you have the strength or the capability of doing it. But authority means you actually have the permission or you can give the permission, maybe, is a better term, to, to do that. And it's like a weightlifter at the Olympics. He may have the power to lift those weights. But unless he gets permission from the referee, he will be disqualified even if he does lift them. And so Jesus said, I'm giving you power and authority. Uh, over all devils. 
I've been in many places where people indicated the devils in their place were stronger than other places. Well, even if they are, the Bible says we have authority over all devils. If it's Satan himself, we have power and authority over him. And he said, I'm giving you power and authority to cure diseases. And so he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. We read in verse 6, they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. In essence, he was sending them on a field trip. He said, I want you to put into practice what you've learned, what you've seen me uh, teach and then to do. In the book of John chapter 15, this is the chapter where Jesus talked about him being the true vine. He said, we are the branches. He said, if we stay in him, we'll bear fruit. If we don't, we'll be cut off, cast into the fire. But then in verse 7, he made this statement. If you abide or live in me, and my words abide or live in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Praise God. He said, if you live in me, not if you visit once in a while, but if you live in me, and my words live in you, there, there's, there's life there. It's not just a dead word, but there's life in you. Then he said, you're going to ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Praise God. I'm going to enable you to see things come to pass as you speak with a word of authority. Now, Sister Sham and I travel all the time. Right now, we're on deputations, so we're traveling in North America. When we finish that, we will be traveling overseas. And so because of that, most nights, we're in a different place. Uh, it's either a, a hotel, an evangelist quarters, a pastor's home, maybe some other place. And uh, there's always... Uh, a new place that we have to figure out. You folks have been very kind and let us stay in one place for four days. That's amazing for us. But uh, uh, one of the first things that I do when I go into a new place and drop my suitcase is to look around where the switch is and also where the furniture is, the dressers, the tables, the beds, because in the nighttime when I'm making a nocturnal visit to the restroom, I don't want to be banging my shins or my head somewhere. And I'm not familiar with the territory. I've got to figure out where things are. But uh, when I'm at home, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry where the light switch is or the dresser or I, we have a downstairs and a basement. I can go down there with the lights out because I live there. I'm familiar with it. And when we live in him, we become familiar with him and his will. We become familiar with the way that he operates and the way that he thinks. The way that you live in him or get that kind of a, a, an understanding with him is by not only just reading the Bible, but meditating upon it. Allowing it to absorb, be absorbed into your DNA. Be allowing that word to get a hold of you and begin to burn in your heart. When I read the word, and I commend people who read through the Bible in a year, what I do is I read until I strike fire. And when the, when the verse comes off the page at me, I'll sit there and meditate upon it and allow it to start doing something in my heart. And I believe that this is how you learn about him. 
And then when you pray and seek him and talk to him and then listen to him. A lot of people talk to God, but they don't listen. But when you listen to him, he begins to pour things into your heart. He begins to give you some direction. He lets you feel and understand what he's really getting ready to do and what he wants to show in this present world. And so he allows us to feel that presence and his spirit, and we begin to understand it. So that when we're walking around in general life, we're walking now in the anointing. You see, when the disciples walked with Jesus, they were walking with the Christ, which means the anointed one. So they were walking with the anointing. But today, those of us who have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost are not just walking with the anointing. We're walking in the anointing. We're living in it. And his presence is in us. Praise God. So wherever we go, his anointing goes with us. And then wherever we go, when we need it, we can use that anointing. Some people seem to feel that the anointing, living in the anointing means that you've got goosebumps all the time or that you're kind of floating around up here. That's not what it means. You see, living in the anointing means that you're living in the spirit, you're going about your daily tasks, and then suddenly there's a need and you tap into the anointing. That's when you do it. Now, I'm assuming before we came in here tonight or today, the lights were all off. The first person in probably turned the lights on. They flicked the switch. Did that mean there was no electricity here before the lights came on? No, it was there. All they had to do was flick the switch. And the same thing with the anointing. It's in us already, but it doesn't get activated until we flick the switch. Well, what's the switch? I believe that's the name of Jesus. Praise God. When we call upon his name, that activates the anointing. Praise God. You may be walking around and, and, and you happen to meet somebody and you're talking to them. And while you're talking to them, you don't know what their need is. But the Holy Ghost begins to speak through you and actually gives them an answer that they've been seeking. And you didn't know it. You just thought you were talking. But when you live in him and his words live in you, you will start to speak the word and will of God without even thinking about it. It will become a part of you. It will just come forth without any real understanding of what you're doing at times. Have you ever heard a three-year-old make a very profound statement? And you thought, wow, where did they get that? How could they say that? Well, it wasn't because it just dropped out of the sky somewhere. They probably heard mommy or daddy say that. And even though they don't understand fully what it means, they kind of get the context and throw it in there. And when we're walking in the anointing, there are going to be times when we're going to say things even unconsciously that have power and authority, and it's going to create a reaction in the spirit world. Praise God. I believe that the Lord wants his people to walk in the anointing. 
He wants us to be filled with his spirit continuously. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Praise God. In, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, the apostle Paul said, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Now he's able to do it. And a lot of people end the verse there. And they think, okay, God, do it. But that's not the end of the verse. It says, according to the power that works in you. You're the one who activates the switch. The power is there and God can do it, but he has chosen not to unless we speak the word, unless we activate the power of God. Praise God. That means that we've got to turn on the power. We are the ones that do it. A lot of people struggle to get the Holy Ghost so much that when they finally got it, it was like a trophy. They engraved their name and the date and the place, put it up on a shelf. And then maybe once a year at camp meeting time, they'll run around the tabernacle and then put it up on the shelf again for another year. But that's not what the Holy Ghost is for. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus said. Hallelujah. You can't be a witness of something you haven't seen. And so until we see the power of God in action, we're not really a witness. But I'm thankful today when the anointing is in us, we can see the power of God in action. We can see the miraculous happen. We can see lives change because the anointing is in us. We're walking in that anointing. And when we speak with authority, something's going to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Several years ago, when we were living in Pakistan, the capital city of Islamabad, during the week as the superintendent, I was traveling a lot, but I would try to be at home on the weekend and attend the local church, and then uh, they had softball at the American Embassy, so just for a change of pace, I'd take my son and we'd go play softball uh, there at the embassy. Now, they only had one field, so uh, only two teams could play at a time, and and they usually arranged where there could be five games during the course of the day. And so if your uh, game was second or third, you came when two teams were already playing and started warming up. And uh, our children were attending the American International School at the time. And so uh, we knew a lot of the teachers there. But one day I was uh, warming up with a, a teammate, throwing the ball back and forth. And... and uh, one of the American teachers, probably the school team was playing, and he was just watching it, but uh, he had an epileptic seizure and swallowed his tongue. And uh, so he fell to the ground and was thrashing, trying to get breath. As I stopped the game, everybody gathered around very quickly, and uh, they were trying to help him. There was a physical education teacher there trying to administer first aid. By nature, I'm an introvert. And so I don't like to make a fuss about things. But uh, I was praying quietly. But this teacher knew that we were missionaries. He knew that we were people of prayer. And his eyes came directly to mine. He didn't look at anybody else in the circle. He looked directly into my eyes. And I could read as though he was saying, please pray for me. And so I pushed my my reticence aside, I reached over the physical education teacher and I said, in the name of Jesus, instantly his tongue came out. 
And a few days later, Sister Sean was at the school. She met this teacher. He said, I know what happened, and I know who did it. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I was not at passing the mantle or because of the times or general conference or even on a Sunday morning service. I was at a softball field. I was playing a game. Did that mean I didn't have the anointing, that I left the anointing in church on Sunday morning? No. When you live in the anointing, the Spirit of God is in you. And when you need it, you turn on the switch in the name of Jesus. That's when the miracle happens. Praise God. And I believe this is a facility that God gives to every believer. Everyone who has been filled with the Holy Ghost can walk in the anointing. You can see God move by his power and spirit in your life at any moment. Praise God. As Sister Sham said, we do the laundry. We do all kinds of normal things. But when you need the Holy Ghost, he's there. The anointing is there for you. Praise God. Praise God. In the book of Acts, chapter 5, this is a chapter that is famous for the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Ghost and as a result paid for it with their lives. The Bible tells us in verse 11, And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought, among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. That's where they had church. That was the biggest place available to have a meeting. And at the and of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. Verse 15, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. Sister Sham and I were in Pakistan in the month of October, spent almost three weeks there, visited, we were there for some conferences, but we also visited a lot of local churches. And uh, they have uh, what they call bustis, these are like barrios in South America, but uh, uh, they have very narrow streets. Uh, the street would be probably not quite as wide as from the front row there to, to uh, the steps here. And uh, you get a lot of people going through those streets, cars trying to maneuver. There's uh, small motorbikes trying to get in and out, donkey carts. There's vegetable carts parked at the side. And it can be very, very frustrating trying to get through. Brother... Uh, our bishop here and, and sister have been to India and Bangladesh, I think, so they've seen some of this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and your pastor's been to Bangladesh. So uh, they've seen these narrow little streets trying to, to, trying to maneuver your way in. Uh, potholes and all the other kind of things. So I can see the picture as, as Peter is walking through these streets. And people heard that, hey, Peter's coming down this way. Quick, quick, get Uncle out on the, on, on the street there. Put his couch out there. And so they put it out, and, and Peter walked, is uh, coming towards them, and they're, they're excited. They know that he doesn't have time to lay hands on everybody. But he's walking by, and it tells us at the end of the verse that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Their thought was, if we can even get Peter's shadow to fall on us, we can receive healing. 
Praise God. Now, it wasn't Peter's shadow that it did that did it, but it was the anointing that came upon him. And as he was passing by, and that anointing touched those people, they were made whole by the power of the living God. Praise God. I believe we can walk in the anointing. Peter was literally walking in the anointing and his shadow was falling upon those who needed a touch. And I believe when we go in our world, we can impact people. As we walk by them, they're going to say, oh, what was that? Hallelujah. We can have that impact. If you have the same Holy Ghost Peter had, then you can have the same results. Praise God. His spirit will live in us. Praise God. And when his spirit and anointing lives in us, then his words will also live in us. And we'll start to speak with faith. We'll start to speak with expectation that God is going to do something. Hallelujah. 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 When our son, who is now 40 years old, was about a year old, uh, we were living in the city of, of Karachi in southern Pakistan, a seaport, and it was a holiday. So I had gone to another place, taken the car to minister. It was difficult to take small children to some of those areas. The cleanliness and everything was a, an issue, and it just was a little difficult. And so uh, I would go on my own with some of the pastors, and uh, Sister Sean was at home working. Now, on a holiday in Pakistan, those times particularly, uh, most people didn't have their own transportation. Uh, we had 12,000 believers when we arrived in the country. Two of them had 50cc motorcycles. Nobody had a car. The missionary did through Seeds of Christ, but that was a, it's now called Move the, Move the Mission. But uh, uh, everybody else walked or used public transport. That's the way they got around. And so um, while we were, while we were uh, uh, on this particular holiday, the, the people started to, would rent the taxis to take their families to, for a picnic or go to the seaside. If they had a big group, they'd rent the buses. So there was no public transportation available. And uh, Sister Sean was working upstairs. She had asked uh, a young man working in our home to uh, take care of Jordan or keep an eye on him. And he said that he would. Uh, the young man was actually washing the floor at the time, and he was using a very strong poison called phenyl. You mix it with water a little bit, and you wash the floor. This helps to kill, co uh, kill cockroaches and, and other kind of bugs that would come in. And so uh, she was working away this particular day, and the Holy Ghost told her to go downstairs. So she got up from her desk and started coming around the corner of the steps. It was a two-layer step uh, stairway. And when she came to the first landing and saw Jordan, uh, she saw that William wasn't there. He had evidently stepped out for something for a couple of minutes, and Jordan was sort of going like this, and his eyes were rolled back in his head. And so she rushed down and picked him up, and she could smell phenyl on his breath. He had actually swallowed that poison. And so uh, she picked him up. She said, Lord, you know I have no transportation to get to the doctor. Everybody's, Alan's gone and all the vehicles are, 
or, or the, the, the public transport is taken, taken up and, and so I can't get to a doctor. But I did read in your word where one day you turn water into wine. And now I'm asking you to turn phenyl into water in the name of Jesus. Jordan began to shake like this. His eyes became normal. And there were absolutely no side effects at all. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm talking about living in the anointing. When you need the anointing, his spirit is there. You can call upon him. And when you pray in the name of Jesus with faith, something is going to happen. Hallelujah. It begins to move things in the spirit realm. Praise God. One day, Sister Sham uh, was working uh, when we moved to the capital, Islamabad, and, and our kids were in high school. The first two years, uh, we tried to pay for it with our budget, but the fees were very expensive, and so she got permission to work at the school. She was the uh, personal assistant for the, or administrative assistant, rather, for the uh, <coughs> elementary principal, and so uh, she was working there. Uh, in her office one day and uh, her office over time because even though most it seems like most teachers American teachers that go overseas are either atheists, agnostics studying Buddhism or just out to have a good time uh, very few of them are evangelical Christians of any kind and so they said that uh, she said that what, uh, on this particular day uh, she was in her office and, and many of them had come to her in the past when they had a need. Maybe their mother was very sick in America, and so one of them, an atheist, would come and say, would you please pray? Because they knew that she had the ability to, to get an answer. And so her office became known as the prayer room. But on this particular day, uh, the door opened, and a teacher walked in, a lady teacher. She was Pakistani. Uh, she was teaching a subject called... Uh, <clears throat> host nation, because there were more than 50 nationalities in the school, the school wanted them to learn a little bit about the nation of Pakistan, its culture, its geography, and so on, and so she was teaching that subject. Uh, her husband was a judge on the Supreme Court of Pakistan, one of the top nine judges in the country, so they were very influential people. But when she walked in, she said, Georgine, I have to leave school early today, I'm informing you. Uh, that I'm leaving, the reason being that my grandson that was born three weeks ago has no immune system. And the doctors or the hospital called just uh, a little while ago and they said that he's probably not going to survive the night. And so um, uh, we need you to come and prepare for his burial. So she said, I'm, I'm going to leave early to go and do that. As she was going out of the door, she turned back and she said, Would you ask Alan to pray for him? Now, these people were Muslims. They were not Christians. But they were in a time of need. And they, uh, she recognized that we got answers to prayer. And so she asked for prayer. And uh, Sister Shom said, Well, do you want him to go to the hospital? She was quite surprised that we would be willing to do that. But... Uh, 
Anyway, that evening, Sister Shaw and I went to the hospital. The culture in Pakistan is such that when a newborn looks like it's not going to make it, the family distances themselves from it because they don't want to become emotionally attached. And so when we walked into the hotel, there was no family member there at all, even though the baby was just hanging by a thread. And so uh, I got permission from the head nurse to go into the intensive care unit. Uh, the baby was in an oxygen tent, so I just laid my hand on the railing at the side of the bed. And I said, Lord, you know these people don't believe that you're God, but they have a need at this time, and they've asked us to pray. They have the influence that if things don't go right, that we could be removed from the country. But I'm asking you to do a miraculous work to glorify your name in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So we prayed, turned around, and left the hospital. The next morning, Sister Shalm was working at her desk, and she had a coffee maker in the, in the uh, office there so that teachers on break could come and, and have some coffee. And there were several of them standing around drinking. The door opened, and this lady walked in. She said, ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. And she didn't know Pentecostal language. So she said, uh, Georgine and Alan Shalm are holy people. Uh, what she simply meant was that we knew how to get a hold of God. And uh, she said, I was supposed to bury my grandson today, but she said, Alan and Georgine prayed for him last night. And early this morning, the doctor called and said, we don't know what's happened overnight, but the baby's immune system has kicked in. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Nine years later, I was at the school. They were having what they called International Day because there were more than 50 nationalities. Uh, they had a special day where booths were set up in an open courtyard and uh, people repre would represent their country with literature, things from their country, uh, different, uh, they would probably sell some things from there because there weren't a, lot of, weren't a lot of Canadians and that's what I was. They asked me to help man the Canadian booth. I think uh, we were selling some maple syrup or something like that. Anyway, uh, I was there uh, at the booth, and, and this lady happened to walk by. And she said, oh, Alan, you're here. She said, can you wait a moment? I said, sure, I'm here for the day. So she went off, and about 10 minutes later, she came back with a young boy. She turned to him, and she said, Junaid, do you remember we told you that when you were a baby, you were supposed to die because you had no immune system? But a missionary prayed for you, and you were healed. He said, I, yes, I remember you telling me that. He, she said, uh, I'd like you to meet him. That was nine years later. Since then, he's graduated from high school. He's graduated from university. He's uh, migrated to Canada. His mother made the statement, if I ever become a Christian, I want to be one like Georgine. <laughs> She's met lots of Christians. But she said, uh, Georgine lives in the spirit. She walks in the anointing. There is power and authority when we walk in the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord that we can have his spirit in us at all times. It's not a hit and miss thing. But when we walk in the anointing, his spirit is available to us. Praise God. And I feel like the Lord is trying to raise up the church to the power that it has. 
We've lived for a long time below our privilege. But he wants us to start rising up and taking the power and the authority that we have in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. And I can assure you, when you start to see the miraculous, the church is going to automatically start to grow. You don't have to worry about advertising. Our first crusade, we saw thousands of miracles. The first night, 10,000 people came, and there were over 4,000 that were healed. So the next night, we had 25,000 people. That night, 3,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the next night, we had 80,000 people. It was on national television going around the whole region. I want you to know when the Holy Ghost starts to move through you, when he begins to work through the anointing, you can see the miraculous happen. You can see lives be changed. You can see whole communities, counties, states, nations changed. Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord wants us to walk in the anointing today. wants us to live in the anointing so that whenever there's a need we can uh, uh, have confidence that he's going to answer immediately. Would you stand with me this morning? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 There is an anointing here in this service today. You brought it through your prayer through your faith in the Lord. And I believe that he's here to activate the anointing in his people. Praise God. I'm not saying that you don't use the anointing. But I feel like God wants to do something in his church here in North America. Praise God. North America has helped to reach much of the world with the gospel, but North American church is becoming weak. We notice that when we travel around. We go for four years and you come back and you can see that a lot of people in the church are starting to become very secular. They're turning to secular ways to answer problems instead of the Lord. But I believe it's still the Holy Ghost that works. We still need the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Praise God. It's through him that we see lives changed. It's through his power that people are delivered. Whether it's an emotional issue, whether it's a physical issue, whatever it might be, the Lord is the one who's able to do it. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the counselor. He is the mighty God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask your bishop and pastor to join me. We're going to pray a prayer over this congregation. And I believe that the Lord is going to give you a special anointing. I believe he's raised up this church for a special purpose. Praise God. Praise God. Your leadership has a burden and passion to see apostolic revival and harvest. And uh, that's obviously been transmitted to you. 
you are also reaching out for that. And so I believe that the Lord's going to do something here today. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know. Maybe we can just extend our hands over the congregation. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, we release your anointing upon this congregation in a new measure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Begin to work through them mightily to transform this community in the name of Jesus. To impact this nation, to impact the world in the name of Jesus. We pray for the bishop, Lord, for the pastor, for the congregation. Move by your spirit in Jesus' name. Mightily through them. Oh, hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you feel that anointing and you feel to pray for somebody, go ahead and pray for them right now. In the name of Jesus. Put it into practice. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Name. Hallelujah. Oh, let your spirit fall, Lord. The mighty power and authority. The great anointing in this place in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
Shata, reach over and pray for somebody. Grab somebody by the hand. Lay your hand on their shoulder right now. There's faith that's being imparted in this house right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I lose healing and miracles. I lose in Jesus' name cures for every disease. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over diabetes. In the name of Jesus, I bind it in Jesus' name. I take authority and dominion over every ailment in Jesus' name, over every sickness in Jesus' name. That's it. Speak it in Jesus' name. Let it come out of your mouth. I bind in Jesus' name every ailment right now. I bind cancer in Jesus' name. I command tumors to shrink in the name of Jesus. name. I command legs to come back to life. I command limbs to extend. Come on, that's it, church. We're going to walk in this. There's nothing too big that God cannot do. There's nothing too big that we will not pray for. In the name of Jesus, I believe. I believe. I believe. Woo! 